another episode of Unfiltered Friends. And let me tell you guys, this episode is absolutely life-changing. If you're a content creator, if you struggle with body image, if you struggle with mean comments from other people, very rarely am I speechless in the middle of an interview. She actually brought me to tears because she has such a wealth of knowledge and such a sense of self that anybody should aspire to have. So I'm very excited to share this with you. Make sure that you rate us on whatever podcast platform that you use. Subscribe, share with your friends. I'm reposting the people who tag me in the posts about the podcast. Ultimately, you are what helps make this podcast grow and be successful. And a special shout out to all the people on my Patreon who are getting to watch some of the behind the scenes process. So if you're interested in supporting this independent podcast, patreon.com slash unfiltered friends. And without further ado, here is Alicia. Welcome to the Unfiltered Friends podcast. Before we introduce you to our next friend, I want you to take a moment to think about everything that led you to where you are right now. Do you see how strong you are? Do you see how great your story is? I hope you do, and I hope you learn great lessons and get inspired by our next friend's story on the Unfiltered Friends Podcast. Hello, Unfiltered Friends, and welcome to our second episode of the relaunch of Unfiltered Friends. For those of you who are new to this podcast, welcome. Essentially, what we do here is we give you guys a little bit of behind the scenes of your favorite creators lives. You know, I think it's really important that we humanize the people that we watch on a screen. I can personally attest to the fact that sometimes it gets a little rough out there and someone who is, uh, not, um, unfamiliar with dealing with, uh, people who don't know about her, but think that they do is my friend Alicia here. And so let's bring her in. Hello, Alicia. Yay. Hi. Hi. Do you, you you always have a smile on your face? Have you always been that way? Um, yeah, I think I really have. I mean, I uh I feel like humor's just always been a huge part of like my life, the way I grew up, my family dynamic, Scott and I's relationship. And I just think life's too hard unless mm-hmm. you're like smiling and laughing through yeah. things or seeing the funny and in you know crappy situations so yeah i think i I think i'm pretty used to it so uh tell people like who you are where you're from a little bit for people who aren't familiar with you uh i am a 32 year old woman from halifax nova scotia in canada uh i am the oldest of three siblings which makes me the bossy one Mm -hmm. Uh, i am an aunt um, which which makes me fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been married to my high school sweetheart. Uh, we've been married for five years, but together for 15, which makes me a very lucky person. Um, and I create content, uh, focus around self-love and humor and my relationship and movement and honestly, whatever I feel like on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm new. I'm fairly new. So it's only been 
two and a half years since I've been creating two and a half years, two and a half ish years since I've been creating. Uh, but it's the coolest thing in the entire world. Yeah. So you're you're actually pretty new to I feel like a lot of the friends that I'm making through TikTok, TikTok is really their like first major thrust into the public eye through social media. Is that the case for you? Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I had a half decent following on Instagram, but like nothing I could have made a living off of. Uh, but all of that came from back when I was on my weight loss journey and, you know, back in university. And then I kind of, I lurked on the TikTok background for most people, which I think most 25 to 35 year olds did for a very long time. And then I just started creating. So it's been two and a half years. It feels like it's been a short period of time. Or I know it's been a short period of time, but it feels like it's been a very long time already. Mm -hmm. So tell me about tell me about that weight loss journey, because a lot of the stuff that you talk about is accepting yourself in your current form and embracing the body that you have. Um, So did you always have that mindset or what was it? that got you to where you are? Where were you back when you were doing the weight loss journey that you say you were documenting? So I played a lot of competitive sport as a kid. So like uh, elementary school, I was a com- competitive skipper. Um, and oh, wait, hold on. Practice. Skipper? Yes. Yes. Like skipping. Like, like double under. Yeah. That's a competitive. No, no, no. Like skipping with a skipping rope. Okay. <laughs> I just imagine that you. that would actually be very funny. Though. Can we start that? Can we start like a professional skipping? I've skipped in I'd several of my videos. People love skipping. Okay. I think we need. Okay. So jump rope yes. skip. Yes. Is that what you guys yes. call it in Canada? Yeah. Okay. Skipping. You guys also um, say toque, which I had to learn. Yeah. Beanie. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I, I was, I jump. I see. I can't even say that naturally. I jump roped. I skipped. You could say skip. Um, we're, we know now we're translating. And then I like in junior high, I played badminton, volleyball, basketball, high school. I played badminton and basketball. So I was competitive through the majority of my childhood in sport. And I have a second degree black belt in Taekwondo, Whoa. which I got when I was 17 years old. Wow. Um. So I, I was so active. I would have considered myself an athlete. But my body really didn't change until I got into university because that is when, for most people, your ability to play competitive then changes because most universities don't offer the same level of, you know, like amateur sport. So I got to university. I was not I didn't make the basketball team that I tried out for. I wasn't competitive enough to play for the volleyball team. So I lost all of my active abilities, I guess, in a sense, like there, there really wasn't a lot of options. So the freshman 15 that everybody talks about turned into a freshman 75 for me fairly quickly. Um, and that's when my relationship with my body changed. So up until that point, I really never thought about my body. I, it wasn't really, it wasn't really something that I, I looked at. If you, if I look back now at like high school photos, like I wasn't the thinnest person, but I also wasn't the biggest person I did. I never really thought about my body. It never really held me back. It wasn't really a part of my life. Um, and then in university, that's when that changed. So I was then told I needed to get a gym membership. Who told you that? Well, I mean, in order for me to lose weight, I needed to get a gym membership and and lose weight. So I decided the easiest way to do about that, I started working at a gym 
Mm. And I worked at this gym for seven and a half years. But I I worked, that story will come tenfold later too. Um, so yeah, I worked, I started working out at the gym. But I was, because I was fat, the only thing I ever learned about in the gym or the only thing that anybody ever thought to tell me about in a gym was weight loss. So nobody told me that I could go and work on my strength. Nobody told me that I could just go take a Zumba class when I felt like it. Nobody told me that I was allowed in the weight room. Nobody told me about powerlifting. Nobody told me about any of the cool things that happen in a gym. Um, everybody only told me about walking on a treadmill on an incline for an hour. Uh, nobody, oh, anything that was weight loss specific is what I did when I was there, and it was awful. Um, and for the next probably five years, I spent my time on and off within the gym, but I decided to do a bikini competition, uh, because I thought that that was going to be the easiest and quickest way for me to like motivate myself to lose the weight. And it was, and it did, uh, but it was extremely toxic. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working out seven days a week for, um, anywhere from two to four hours a day. I ate the same thing every single day except for Saturdays. Um, on Saturdays, that's trigger warning. But on Saturdays is when my coach taught me how to binge eat. So mm-hmm. like a cheat day. Most, yeah, most amount of calories and I got in it full entire day. Um, and then I walked across the stage and I had I walked across the stage at 127 pounds. Um, and this tiny blue bikini, the smallest I will ever be in my life ever again. Um, and I got across the stage and I just still felt just as shitty as I did before I had lost all the weight. And the only thing that had really changed for me at that point was how other people treated me. And and how did that shift uh, with how people treated you? I mean, I was a fat girl going downtown at 19, 20. So I waited in every line that there was to wait in. I never got a drink purchased for me. You know, bouncers weren't letting me cut lines. Um, But then here I was in this tiny little black dress post-show going to a bar where I was let in through the front and drinks were bought for me all of the time. Like just how other people viewed me and saw me um, was completely different. But I was still the same person. Um, and I still wasn't very happy. Like it was a really big, um, slap in the face for me. And then I placed dead last in the bikini competition, which I kind of anticipated because I wasn't, I wasn't a competitor. I was someone who had just lost weight. Um, and then life, I, I mean, my coach didn't properly teach me how to po- like to diet afterwards. So, um, I have come to learn that fitness and just health in general is is this scale of healthy habits and unhealthy habits and every human being has both. Um, but I had um, added so many things to my healthy side of my scale that were just not maintainable that when I jumped off of the competition, my scale just drastically dropped back into the unhealthy part because I never really actually learned anything. I never learned how to build a meal. I never learned how to exercise for fun. I never learned how to move my body. I never learned how to rest. Like I just didn't learn any of those things that are so important to a healthy lifestyle. Um, And a lot of the things that I had done that were on my healthy side were actually really unhealthy too. Like that was the other part of it. Like dis- unhealthy things disguised as healthy things 
So they only weigh down your scale for so long before they then add their weight back onto your unhealthy side. The way I was eating, my binge eating on on the weekends, um, the excessive amounts of exercise I was doing. Um, and yeah, it just kind of came to this like drastic halt afterwards where I put back on a um I put back on a significant amount of weight and then for the next four years after the competition, I went in and out of the gym, back and forth, in and out, trying to do all weight loss things, still doing nothing for myself. Mm-hmm. I found that I found that like people want to put you in a box for what is considered actually working out. And when I started to have more success personally, um, was when I found ways to work out that I enjoyed mm-hmm. because then it's repeatable. You don't want like walking on a treadmill on an incline is mind numbingly boring if that's the only thing that you're doing. It's awful. It's and I awful. mean, we, we, I just had this conversation with somebody and we were talking about how like society as a whole believes that enjoyment equals longevity for a lot of the things. Like you have to enjoy your partner in order for it to be a long-term partnership. You have to enjoy what you're doing at work to an ex- to an extent in order for it to be a long a, a long term process. But we never really adopted that to the words exercise and movement. You're never really taught that, and I I mean it just I could go on and I could go on a rant here. But you walk into the doors of a fitness facility, and they look at you and they say, "What are your goals now?" And the problem with that is nothing that is now is forever. So you're walking in and the trainer's trying to, to change what your problem is now, but they're not actually trying to support what you're looking to do for the future. And that's, that's a, you know, that's a drastic, there's a drastic difference between what I want to have happen now and what I need to actually happen for the rest of my life. And nobody looked at me back then and said, hey, do you want to get stronger or do you want to be able to do this forever? There just was, it was like this one goal. I was going to get there. I put so much pressure on myself and then I got there and mm-hmm. it was not what I anticipated it being. Um, and yeah, and it wasn't really until like four and a half years later that I got into powerlifting that I was like, holy crap, I can go into a gym and actually like what I'm doing mm-hmm. and like feel good. And, you know, I, I was outlifting men that were on the floor with me and I I was strong and I would leave and I'd be so excited to go back. Mm. And that was like, that was where my thought process around exercising really changed. I was like, holy crap, like I can like what I'm doing and be taking care of myself. Like, no, why did nobody tell me this 10 years ago? I think people are so focused on aesthetic that's really what it's about. It's not about getting healthy. It's about looking a certain way or hitting a certain number. And if you spend that time researching, and that's why progress photos are important and measurements are important and not just focusing on the scale because your body is forever changing as you go through that process. So if you're just focusing on looking a certain way, I knew plenty of people. I lived in LA for 15 years. I knew plenty of people who were in shape, but disasters on the inside. And like, is that really, that's cute for your twenties, but then you get older and older and then, and then what, you know? Yeah. I, I talk about it all the time because f- when people talk about fat phobia in general, um, a lot of people think that fat phobia in itself is just supposed to support fat people, but fat phobia actually hurts more thin people than it does fat people. 
I have to live with, I'm, I am fat. So I'm used to the fat phobia that comes along with my life and what I live. However, there are hundreds of thousands of thin people who live in this world, in this world, who live without people asking them if they need support or if they need help or how they're doing. And that's because on the outside, they look healthy. And if you're judging it strictly on body size, well then, yeah. So it it's one of those things that's like, I, I'm always going to strive to be being healthy because I look unhealthy and on the outside in a sense that p- people are looking at me always expecting it from me. Whereas then you have thin people who are never having it expected of them, who are never supported and never properly, you know, ask the right questions. Everybody seems to forget that I had to be an unhealthy, thin person in mm. order to become a fat person. And nobody remembers that. Nobody asked me when I needed help or if I needed support when I was thin. Nobody really cared until I was fat to ask any of the questions. When realistically, if somebody would have helped me when I was thin or and struggling with exercise and movement and finding something right for me, then I might not have become a fat person. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fight this conversation all the time because if I can be an unhealthy, thin person, then I can most definitely be a healthy, fat person because those things don't happen overnight. And I'm have, I have to have this argument all the time with people is that me, I, I've been an unhealthy fat and I have been an, in a been a healthy fat and am a healthy fat at this point in my life. And I know that there's difference between the two, but like, it, yeah, it's one of those things where it, it doesn't just affect fat people. Yeah. And in fact, I would argue that more thin people um, feel the feel the brunt of fat phobia than fat people do. I, I, I'm glad to hear you to say that because I saw I've seen aspects of the body positive community feel justified in shaming people who are thin. And, and, and it's it's um, especially living in L.A. and watching people waste away to nothing they need the support too so i'm curious your perspective on like that sort of stuff the hard part with body positivity in general is that i don't consider myself part of the body positive community because um body positivity in itself was created for and by black fat women it was not Mm. it was never meant to be this whitewashed you know it was never meant to be what it is now and that's why i've chosen actually this year to take a step back and have anything that says body positivity Mm. attached to it to remove it because there are fat black women who should be stepping up and having the conversation because they're actually fighting for my rights as a fat person. They're actually having the right conversations. Body positivity was always meant to be about my rights and was always meant to be about a fat person's ability to be able to be seen as an equal to another human being or the ability to purchase clothing that is this the same cost, if not a reasonable cost as other people. There's body positivity is supposed to be the technical side of being a fat person. Um, and it just was never created for me. So that's why I step on the side of, of self-love because body positivity has definitely been overtaken by, um, beauty people who are the beauty standard. Cause I want to make clear that is that there are a lot of people speaking, um, about other people's bodies who are the body standard and not don't struggle like I do. And I mean, I received a comment the other day that somebody said, oh, I just ignore what people say online. And I'm like, yeah, but maybe that's because you are a straight white woman Mm -hmm. and straight sized and straight white woman. And you don't deal with the same things that I deal with as a fat 
woman. Like and, those are two, we're two different ballparks. And those conversations um, and think, are so difficult because it's usually immediately met with instead of listening or conversation defensiveness, and then it shuts down the conversation. Yeah. Now nobody's learning anything. Yeah, it's it's like, it's this dynamic. It's it's definitely, like I miss the entire world is just this giant power dynamic of people looking to have power. Um, and when there's places like, um, body positivity where, um, there's, there wasn't much talk about it for so long. Um, a straight sized white woman said, Oh, well, there's a space where I can take over power. And, mm. and it's just, it has led that space. Whereas like we talk about, and I've been learning, um, online about like being an ally is that we as human beings feel this need to speak for other people. Whereas it's not about speaking for other people. It's about, you know, giving your platform and creating space or, and pushing their voices ahead. And I think body positivity, instead of actually finding the people at the root of it, who should be the ones speaking, um, people were just then taking the place. And it's, it's become a really frustrating thing for me because, um, I have to, um, watch what I say in certain areas because it's like I I know what comes along with being a fat woman but I also understand that I am a fat white woman in itself which holds more privilege than what other fat people have and mm -hmm. on top of that my I'm I if aesthetically why like my body itself aesthetically is an aesthetic fat, which means that when I put on something, I can make myself look more of a beauty standard than a lot of other fat women can. So I have privilege within that realm. So I've learned a lot about being privileged over the last like two and a half years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I don't, I don't think that being skinny shamed and being fat shamed are the same thing. No, I think not at all. I think that they're two different things. However, I think that in order for for the world to fight fat phobia, we have to understand that it's not just fat people who are who are having the issues with fat phobia. It's thin people who are suffering. And it's like any other movement. If we're talking about, um, not to compare the two because they're very different, but if you're talking about racism in general, um, we're, we we don't need, you know, the black community to speak up. We need the white community to speak up, the ones who are living with the privilege. And same thing with fat phobia. Like, fat people are talking all of the time. We're asking for respect. Like, we need somebody else to come in and help push the message, too, and support it properly. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be a never-ending battle. But at least it's a battle at this point because it wasn't for a very long time. Yeah. It So before I was on TikTok, um, my presence was mostly on YouTube. And I, you know, you've watched me do advocacy in like the feminist space and stuff like that. Back then I was mostly focused on LGBT. And yep. I, I understand what you mean where like I had to be very careful with speaking about groups that I'm not a part of. And it really Pardon. was about instead of speaking for um, it's about elevating those voices with the microphone that you have that has more reach because yeah. of your place in privilege. On the same token, I'm curious what you think about this. Like when I would speak about LGBT issues, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to connect this with what you were just saying. When I would mm -hmm. speak about LGBT issues, I'm reaching an audience that would not listen to an LGBT person. Mm -hmm. So do you do you see a, a parallel in the way that you discuss things and the way that like I'm trying to 
reach those people who wouldn't normally listen because they can more identify with me without on top of that also speaking over the people who are actually going through those things. Yeah, well, I mean, being in, just like being an ally in general is tough because you're you have to watch you have to walk a, a thin line when mm-hmm. it comes to that stuff. So yes, I do. Um, I do have to be careful. Like obviously, I deal with what fat people deal with, but I don't deal with it as the same extent as as a lot of other people. So it's important that if I'm, you know, last week I had to turn down an interview because they wanted somebody to talk about body positivity. And I'm like, well, I'm not your creator because I'm, I'm not a body positive creator. You're looking for, um, your fat friend. You're looking for, there's, there's so many creators out there that just talk about rights as, as a fat person. And like those, that's the person that you're looking for. And for two, like for me, I also am lucky because I wanted self-love to be my platform because I think it's also important that we talk about the fact that, every human being on this planet suffers with body image issues. This isn't these, I believed for so long as a fat person that I was the only one who struggled in my body. And I would get so frustrated with my thin friends when they'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm so fat or, um, oh, I, you know, I'm struggling, but like they're struggling too. They just don't know how to verbalize it properly. Like those are, you know, they still are going through similar things. So I think that once people, I guess my goal versus the body positive goal is my goal is to help people understand that everyone is struggling so that we can then have conversations around the fact that like what you're going through isn't necessarily worse or better than what I'm going through. It's we're all going through something. We just have to kind of take a step back and help each other communicate it properly so we can be better supportive of one another. Yeah. Um, Instead of gatekeeping the issue, invite other people in who could like, that was actually one of the questions because I was watching some of your content and you were talking about how many pool parties that you missed and how many things. And I still do that. Um, Until maybe five years ago, I wouldn't show people the fact that I had body hair because I hated the fact that I had body hair or hated I love body hair. I just need to be clear. Body hair, listen, I didn't know if I liked body hair for a very long time, (laughs) but Scott has a full chest of body hair. Yeah, he does. It's like the sexiest thing in the entire world. Like, I think, uh, like... I think I I watch, I would watch, and I I know that women go through this too. I would watch the men that women would freak out over, no hair, all abs, muscles everywhere, tan, then I am none of those things. And that has weighed on me my entire life. I when I used to wear a V-neck shirt, I would shave in the V so nobody would see that I had body hair because I hated my body and I still struggle with that. And so my question for you is you seem to have moved past that in a lot of ways and, and evolved beyond that. What was, what was that moment? What did you say to yourself? Like, how can you help someone else get to that point with their, their own body as well? Um, I mean, my video went viral on TikTok where I talked about the story about me and Scott on a beach in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was that was my moment for sure. Just can you, having this. Can like, you tell that story for people who have yeah, watched it? Yeah. So I um Scott and I decided that we were gonna go away. I hadn't been on a beach in twelve years with anybody, let alone him. Uh I decided that since we were gonna be in Florida, nobody was gonna know who I am, so it didn't matter if I was fat. Um and something about that made me feel better. So I went out and bought my first bathing suit that that I had had in, again, over 12 years. Um, 
And on like our second day there, we went to the beach and we spent um I don't probably two and a half, almost three hours just playing in the water. Like and I mean playing in the water, like just riding the waves. I mean it's crystal clear water in Florida. We had the best time that I mean it's it is definitely a core memory. It'll be a core memory for the rest of my life. Um and nobody cared that I was fat and nobody stared at me and nobody was bothered that he was physically fit and I wasn't and I got back to the hotel room or well not hotel we were staying with friends I got back to our friend's place um and I got in the shower and I bawled and I was so angry at myself um I was disappointed and sad and I angry angry is the easiest emotion to take over there I was angry at myself because this was the first moment where I had really realized that me holding myself back from things was actually affecting other people and I don't think I we when we think about you know choosing not to do things for ourselves we don't typically think about the other people that are involved we say we don't want to be in the photo and it's a very selfish decision um and I wouldn't consider myself a selfish human being, but I had been selfish for so for so long. I had deprived him of that opportunity to be on a beach with me for 12 years. Like, what? 12 years I said no to going to a beach where we just had the most fun we could have been having forever. And I deprived him of that. And then I just got in this vicious circle of, like, thinking about how many times did I choose not to go downtown with my friends? And in my brain, I was going because I was insecure. But in my friends' brains, what were they thinking that I just didn't want to be there? Which, Mm -hmm. like, hurts my heart. Is that, like, how many things that I choose not to be a part of that people in my life thought I didn't want to be there for them? Or I didn't, when realistically it had nothing to do with that and everything to do with me. How many photos did I not take? I have three years of my life where I have little to absolutely no photos of me or me and Scott or me and my siblings or me and my family. I can't get that back. Like I'll never be able to get that back. Um, And then I just realized like, for what? What was I like for what? If I was choosing not to do all of these things, what was it for? And it was because I thought of what other people were going to think of me. And I'm like, how dare I give that power, the power for me to deprive my husband of that experience on the beach to strangers who don't know me, who don't love me, who don't support me every day. How dare I give that power to people I don't know? Um, And then neglect the people who do love me. And yeah, and I just, it's, it is one of those things where it was this, I, when people talk about life doll, light bulb moments, it was my light bulb moment because I have, was, you know, like looking back on my life and I'm like, you didn't take that photo. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. I mean, I, I have missed out on applying for jobs. I have missed out on so many things because I didn't believe I could be a successful, happy, fat person. Um, and that's talking from the fat side of things, but it's just like, I, those experiences I'll never have the chance to get back and um it is selfish uh it's selfish it's uh, it's uh us worrying about ourselves 
and then giving that power to complete strangers to make that decision of how we treat and what we do with our family members and the people we love. And it sucks. Like it sucks so much. Um, but ever since that day, I have literally not missed a single thing. Um, and I mean, like, I've never, I've never said no to, I haven't said to, no to a photo since that day. I have never said, I haven't said no, no to being a part of anything. Um, and it, to switch it and to make it easier for other people to understand um, and, like, to support y'all making that decision for yourself is that nobody wants you around because of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they do want you around for your body, then they're the wrong person. And I think that's, like, obvious that I need to make be be that clear is that with if you're with a partner who only wants you around for your body then that's not the right partner if you're going out with friends and family members who want you there because of your body one that's weird and two not not who you should be surrounding but people don't want like they want my sister wants wanted me to go downtown with her because i'm a fucking good time like i i don't need to drink alcohol to have a good time i like meeting new people i love dancing I add value to any scenario that I am put into, and it makes sense that people want that. Um, and same thing with taking photos or, you know, going to the beach. It just was one of those moments where it was like I I was depriving so many other people because of my body and then giving this power to, this power for, to strangers on making decisions for me. And, yeah, it's not it's not worth it. Uh, you, you, this is my light bulb moment. I was choked up the entire time because <sighs> you know I'm I'm older. I'm forty, and I'm still in that mindset that you escaped. And it's like, you're right. So like people. I've missed out. I'm. Oh, I've missed out on a lot of things. I'm just like taking chances, like normal. I, he, like this is literally me naked in the shower crying. Like that was, that was my light bulb moment. Like going through all of these moments naked in the shower, absolutely bawling my eyes out. And I was mad and I was angry and I was like frustrated. And I just like, I couldn't place my finger on it. I'm like, how, like, how dare you? And then I was mad at myself. And I mean, I don't want anybody to be mad at themselves, but I do want you to realize that you can't just give power over your life to strangers. Like you can't, and they're not thinking you, you, about you for the most part anyway. Like we think that they are. And that's almost, that's not only like you talk about selfish. It's also very self-centered to think that yeah. other people yeah. are watching you the whole time. Worried about you. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and here's the thing. I had spent so much time worried about what other people were thinking about me that I never really realized like, who ca- like who cares? Like my mother said to me, and I'll never forget this quote not a quote, but her quote, she said, I don't understand why you would ever care what a stranger says. You barely care what I think about you some days. And it's like, it's true because mm-hmm. I don't care some days what my mother thinks about what I'm wearing or what I'm doing or the, you know, the things that I'm trying. But then I'm that, but then I'm just not going to go to the beach for 12 years because of what a stranger might think. Golly. But I'm so quick to tell my mom to like, Ugh, mind your business lady. Like, <laughs> but, so it's like, how do you how do you justify that um and let people say what they want to say like and i think that that's been a big learning curve for me is that we all are learning the same things about our bodies as everybody else is i learned that being fat was bad since i was you know 20 years old 19 years old probably before that but i never struggled with it so i didn't have to like learn it or internalize it so when somebody comes out of nowhere and says something inappropriate about me being a fat person, 
I almost feel bad for them because like, of course you feel that way. That's what you were taught to feel. And I was taught to feel that way until I was 29 years old when I was forced to unlearn that about myself. And like, I think we forget that when people show their true colors, that's on them. I mean, at the end of the day, how put this into perspective and speaking specifically to the chest hair type of thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you're talking about the things that you might be missing out on or not doing or not going to the beach or something you've been, but like, what if your person is there? Mm -hmm. Like, what if it's going to be the best experience that you've ever had? Like, what if, and then look back on it now. Like if I look back on my moment on the beach with Scott and I think now you almost didn't go because of you didn't want people to see you, how silly that sounds. And it's like, but in the moment, we're so caught up with all of these things that we've internalized and all of these things we've been told that we can't see clearly in those moments to realize that it's not about us. It's about other people and it's about the experience. And like, there's no amount of chest hair. There's no amount of fat. There's no amount of, you know, cellulite or stretch marks that should be holding you back from putting on a bathing suit and going to the beach with your friends and family. Um, My mom bought our first bathing suit this year and I wholeheartedly am giving myself credit for that because (laughs) I didn't, I, that's me. Like, and I, I know that my nephew, like my nephew, so her grandson and the thought of her missing out on those things is what also motivated her to make sure that it didn't really matter how she felt. Like, it doesn't matter how you feel about your bathing suit. Because you know who also just does not give a fuck about your bathing suit? My nephew. My nephew mm-hmm. doesn't give a shit about your bathing suit. He doesn't care how you look in it. He just wants you to be sitting in the sand with him. He just wants you to be spending time with him. And, like, who am I to deprive him of that because I feel uncomfortable? Like, that's not fair. And, he, you know, he he. I am lucky enough to say that he'll never miss out on I'll never miss out on anything with him never ever in my life I'll I'll take every photo I will be on every beach I will be at every I dressed up as a fucking animal to show up to or an elephant to show up to his birthday party this year like sweaty and gross out in, in my brain like before I might have been so self-conscious about this but this time I didn't even think twice I was like give me your biggest costume I'm putting it on and I'm going and like He'll have that memory now for the rest of his life because I chose to do something that made me feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I did it. And now he's going to have that forever. And it's not about me. It's about him. Um, so, I mean, my biggest piece of advice is stop thinking about yourselves and start thinking about the people that you love and you care about. Mm. And it, it makes it a lot easier to justify being a part of those things. Yeah, I'm definitely somebody who is 10 times more willing to go and do something for the sake of somebody else versus the sake of myself. So I, that's, that's a, that's a life-changing it, perspective for sure. The more you do it, the more you'll realize how silly it is that you ever held yourself back from it and the easier it'll be to do it for yourself. Yeah. It's one of those things you're going to get. Like I said, I, what I had built up in my mind what going to the beach was going to be like. And then I got there and it was nothing like that. And I actually enjoyed myself. And it's like, okay, well, this isn't just for my husband. This is also for me. Like, I enjoy this. I am having a good time. And yeah, it's if that's what needs to be the push for a lot of people to start thinking about, you know, think about your photo book. Are you going to be able to look at it 10 years from now and have photos of you in there or are you not? And why? And is that fair? 
Mm. And I just, yeah, it seems like not a big deal in the moment until you literally have three years of your life that you can't look, I can't look back on it and even see myself in photos. I can't even, now that I'm so proud of my story and so proud of my body, I can't even go back to those periods of my life and say, here, this is what I was uh, looked like, or this is, you know, I just don't have it. Mm-hmm. And I can't show people it because I just never took the photos and I never did the things. Yeah. You uh, you just changed a lot of people's lives in that moment. I was always impressed with you, but that was, I'm very rarely uh, speechless and you made me cry on my own podcast. So <laughs> good work. Um, okay. So let's, let's shift a little bit. I want to talk about your relationship because that seems to be a center point for a handful of your content. You guys have been together for how long? Or how long have you known each other? And then when did you get together? So we've known each other for 16, 16 or 17 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we met in high, we met in grade 10 um, in high school. And to be honest, we were just talking about this the other day. We definitely met before that. I th- we think we met in junior high, but like we were from separate junior highs and we like met at a dance, but like didn't know each other. Mm. Um, Anyways, and then we met in grade 10, and we talked on MSN every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who were old enough to remember <laughs> MSN. MSN Messenger. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We never spoke in real life. We only spoke um, We only spoke on MSN, which is hilarious. Why do you think that is? Just being teenagers, right? Uh. Like, we just – we would go to school. We would – um see each other in the hallway we might say hi but we just wouldn't have conversations with with each other and then we like started hanging out and honestly scott became like my best friend like if i got home from like a tough day at school or um he was like my go-to there was it was strictly platonic um we played ping pong and darts and like we were just good friends and then we were in pal class together Pal class is like the high school's attempt to keep you active, physically active lifestyle. That's what it is here. Oh. Um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were partners for like, this was before we had started dating. We were p- partners in pal class, like the only female male partner, platonic partners in pal. Um, and then one night we uh, were watching the Much Music Video Awards and Rihanna was performing. And we were just hanging out and we kissed um and then we awkwardly just did not talk to each other for <laughs> like you guys had had no inclination of attraction before that moment well, it just yes, exploded yes. into a kiss yeah, like yeah. Okay. but uh, to an extent but we never talked about it but uh, we had never like kissed or like held hands or like f- we had flirted but we were we strictly just like and now looking back at it we were i mean it was like the most natural way for a relationship to come up together like we were friends we hung out all the time we told each other everything we didn't we you know and then we kissed and then it was like yeah two two or one and a half weeks almost two weeks we just like didn't talk to each other because we were just like oh shit like what does this mean you were processing yeah and then we he's he was the one who broke the ice um and i'm pretty sure i have this msn conversation printed somewhere where he wrote me and was like, so about the kiss, dot, dot, dot. Um, and that was like the start of our conversation of just like, we were like, okay, well, like, I guess we just see where it goes. Like, I like you, you like me. And then we just continued to like hang out and 
here we are. Here we are. 17 years later. I know. That's crazy. Like that story, that story doesn't happen anymore. So it's like really interesting to watch. It's so, and it's like, it's so funny because we always joke about how gross we are, like grossly cute our story is. It's disgusting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it is disgusting. (laughs) But we're just, we're also why part of the reason why I wanted to share our relationship online is like, we got the chance to really do it the way that it should be done. We became friends. We found our common interests. We shared everything with each other. It was never about our bodies or about intimacy right away. It was about, you know, we we have the most solid friendship base that you'll ever, if I'm mad at him, it doesn't matter. He's still my friend. And like, I think that a lot of people forget that sometimes in relationships is that like, there's been times where we've been upset with each other in our relationship, but then had to come together because it's more than just that. Like, you know, we're, we're, we're best friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we always talk about how we're friends first and we make all of the decisions that we make between each other and for each other with our friendship at mind, because I think that makes it a little bit easier for us to like, sift through the bullshit that comes along with being in a relationship and like what other people expect of you and what you think people think you should be doing in your, your relationship. And, um, yeah, we've been, we've been very lucky. We've been through it. We've been through it all at this point. Um, but yeah, he's, I met him when he was a scrawny acne ridden hockey player with long hair. Mm -hmm. Um, and he, we were talking about this when I was on live the other day. I was like, I don't think you all realize that, like, everybody was talking about, like, oh, well, you're a fat woman. Like, you, I, somebody said the other day, you're a fat woman. You should be looking within your league. Not like, what is this like, league thing, too? Like, where, yeah, what, saying, what, what league? Scott, is, Scott, I was like, I fucking started this league. I don't think you understand <laughs> that. Like, I, we, I created this league. Okay, I created. We were to get. We are our own league. Like, there's no, there's no league here. Like, I would love him no matter what he looked like. It literally did. I, he is the funniest person. He's so quiet, and he's. I call him one liner Len, because he just sits and absorbs what people say, and then out of nowhere will just say something and just like ruin an entire room, like wreck them. They'll just be like, don't even understand how he can get that far. So. Anyways, yeah, I, I just, wondered about I, that because he is quiet in a lot of your content. Like he'll he doesn't say a whole lot. And so I was wondering, like, is he is he super comfortable on camera? And that's just that's just who he is. So he will wait till we're filming YouTube now. So oh. like start pushing YouTube and people are going to start to get a, a much better sense of him because it'll be more candid real life moments, which mm-hmm. is, you know, with content. He knows the camera's on. With YouTube, it's just been kind of nice because we're just filming regular things. Um, I can't get him to shut up. So it's one of the <laughs> – I mean, he talks for me. And he's – yeah. that's I keep him around because he's the funniest person ever. Like, he, he does anything and everything he possibly can to make me laugh on a regular basis. And it's, like, the coolest part of our relationship is just we spend too much time laughing. On a, mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Talking about your relationship and what you share and what you don't like. I've dated in the public eye and it's it's a really complicated balance of like what you share and what you don't and how much you invite people into your relationship. So with your relationship with him, 
have you, what kind of discussions have you had about like what you're going to share, what you're not going to share? Like, are there things that you hold back on because it's just meant for you guys? Like what aspects do you share and what aspects do you just say for you guys? Um, I'm an open book. So mm. the boundaries typically come from him. Um, and that's just, and that's just me respecting what he's comfortable with people seeing. And, um, I think it's also important. I'm not inviting anybody into my relationship. I'm inviting you to watch my relationship, but I'm not inviting you into my relationship. And like, I think like so quickly we'll be doing things and I'll post online and people will have their opinions or they'll be like, oh, this shouldn't be shared online. And I'm like, yeah, but like, those are my boundaries, not your boundaries. You're mm-hmm. getting confused here. Like you need to understand that my what my boundaries are are not the same as your boundaries and you don't get to place your boundaries on, a, on other people's relationships. Like that's not how this works. So we're very quick to like um, make sure that, I mean, I set a lot of boundaries when it comes to my content and just like my platform. You don't get to come into my space and disrespect me just because I have a platform. You don't. You don't get to come into my relationship and disrespect my relationship just because I have a platform. You don't. You're not entitled to an opinion on my relationship when you don't know me just because I have a platform. Um, And uh, we're pretty good at like nipping that. I mean, he didn't have TikTok until literally a couple months ago, four months ago. Um, and he's got one I, video and it's that cute Valentine's Day video. I know, that he just posted, <laughs> yeah. He, um, he, he couldn't handle, like that was a boundary of his. He physically, just like mentally could not handle the comments that were coming in. Like he couldn't do it. Yes. And then I like, we've had like, t- we talked about it, like, because I can, I, I don't, I'm at a point where I just don't care what other people think about me. Like, are you kidding me? Like you literally are nobody. I'm never going to meet you. Why are you ever like thinking that your opinion is going to matter to me or my relationship? Um, but he, um, you put us both together. And if you were to look at us, you would assume by beauty standards that he should be 10 times more confident than I am. Mm. Um, and he's not, he's the complete opposite. I'm, I am tenfold more confident than he is. And that's, that's something that a lot of people are surprised about. Like Scott doesn't always realize that he is as handsome as he is, but first and foremost, Scott also doesn't realize like how incredible he is, like what a partner he is, the type of like hard worker he is. Um, but I mean, it's taken me a long time to get there for myself. So it makes sense that he also doesn't understand it, but that's, that's really a surprise for a lot of people because of just beauty standards wise, you would assume that he would be like so confident in himself, but he's not. And sometimes like I have to talk him up just as much as he has to talk me up some days. Um, and like, again, that comes along with being in a partnership. Like, so tell, so hypothetically speaking, cause I'm 100% not affected by my comment section. I'm so confident in myself all the time and my feelings don't ever get hurt. Um, but say that wasn't true. What advice did you give him <laughs> that maybe hypothetically I could apply in my world? Like, how did you help him through that? Why are you giving strangers power? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't why, have an like, answer for that. Why are you giving strangers power? And like, I think that it's like, we uh, first of all there's nothing that a stranger can say to me that i haven't already said to myself sorry 
I've been meaner to me than any other human on this planet has ever been meaner to me uh-huh. or ever will be meaner to me. So like, why are, why are you giving a stranger who literally knows nothing about you power to make you feel any type of way? Because what I've realized is that if you want to judge me for how I look on the outside, that's fine. That's on you. That's okay. I'm going to give you that. But if you're not even going to take the chance to get to know me or understand the value that I add into this world, well, now you just look stupid because, like, I'm a good fucking person. I have I've worked very hard and, and I've put in a lot of effort into who I am. I'm a great friend. I am funny. I add value to the rooms that I enter that none of that has to do with my body. And, so it sounds I, like you have such like. an idea of your qualities that instead of listening to that person, you refer back to your own knowledge of yourself and let that Nobody's be the guy. Nobody's commenting on your videos being like, oh, you're such a bad guy. All the time. Nobody's co- no. All really? the time. I get DMs. Yeah, I get emails. If I don't, if I say something that they disagree with, I am a misogynist. I'm the worst. I'm a manipulator. Like it, it, I hear it all, and I know that within myself to not be the truth, but it still affects me. You're giving strangers too much power, and anybody who actually doesn't believe with what what you say, because here's the thing: if you actually said something that I didn't agree with. Like from creator to creator, if you actually ever said something that I didn't agree with, I would be talking to you with respect and asking you to explain it to me. And because I value you as a human being, those are two different types of conversations and two different types of things. If I'm honest, like I feel silenced on a lot of subjects because of like, I'll give an example. I talked about the fact that so I had I, I used to tell a lot of dating stories and I had to stop telling them because I found that if the woman wasn't the hero of the story, I just got attacked by my 80 percent female audience. So, like, I'll tell you the story. A girl got really drunk, took an Uber an hour to my apartment, uninvited, let herself in the building and was knocking on the door, monitoring my chat trying to let herself into my apartment and my comment section defended her and said that I probably just didn't communicate enough. And so it got to a point where like, I just struggled to deal with that. So I stopped telling me the stories. You, I'm going to give you I've, what we go through is similar. And in the sense that you're a guy, I am a guy. Yeah. <laughs> most, most guys um, don't have a great track record. I understand that. Um, Yeah, for sure. A lot of women and a lot of people are just jaded by past experiences with shitty men. Yes. Um, And it is hard to gain traction and to be considered a good person when the majority of men don't act or, I mean, Scott gets this all the time. Mm -hmm. People People assume that he's with me for money. I saw the sugar would, mama comments, be, which is, uh, I it mean. It would just be like, <laughs> God forbid he just love me and want to be with me. Yeah. Like, God forbid that would be happening. But because the world is so jaded by what, like, what men have done and typically are known for, and this is the truth, is that it's hard for men who are good to be just good because you're always going to be second-guessed on on everything that you do same same type of way when i talk about like working out or if i ever say that i'm healthy or like i'm i people are like what you're fat and it's like well yeah but like 
I still deserve respect and I'm still putting in effort. So like not all fat people are unhealthy. Like that's not how this works. So just like not all men are bad. So you're definitely going to face a lot of traction with that. But at the same time, if you become so confident in who you are, the words of others will have minimal to no effect on you. Yeah. And it's just, and their experiences, you have to understand too, that when someone chooses to comment on anything that you do, they're being fueled by their motives, their experiences and what they've gone through. So when somebody says a comment about how Scott's going to cheat on me and et cetera, I assume that they've had somebody cheat on them and they've gone through that experience and this is their fucked up way of trying to help me not experience it. But like, that's not my experience. So like, just because you've, you know, you've gone through that or I'm in your case, just because some men act that way doesn't mean that that's how you act or doesn't mean that you didn't communicate or doesn't mean that you didn't. But it's also in my mind, really important that you share um, because yeah. I get this all the time where people are like, there are no good men out there. And I'm like, well, you're just not trusting them. So right. like, you're it, just not, you're not giving the good men a ch- chance in the first place. And I feel you like just, I'm not allowed to, like, I feel, this is just how I feel, that I'm not allowed to say that because then it's mansplaining, then it's manipulation, then it's just me not listening. But in reality, I just feel like they don't value me offering my perspective because they only see me through the lens of their own experiences and not me as a just another human being on like when i talked about the fact in college that i was i was raped in college by a woman i was drugged and um i was essentially told that i hadn't been raped enough for women to care and so like that is so massively like re-traumatizing that uh, that it's just like of course, I'm going to be silent because I don't want to have to go through that through your trauma. over and, of course, and over you have again. To protect, you definitely have to protect yourself when it comes to those types of things, for sure. Yeah. Like, when, especially when it's coming to, to tra- with trauma, et cetera. But you're also not the only male that is, has, has been raped and, yes. you know, and you sharing your story is so va- valid mm-hmm. one and important too because whether or not you believe it i mean you're only hearing from the people who are choosing to speak up you're not hearing from the people who thought who who said mm-hmm. oh shit maybe you know i tr- i trust chris i trust what he shares on his platform i didn't actually think that men could be raped or treated this way but if he's sharing this then you yeah. know because a lot of people don't speak up. I mean, not, not a lot of people enter the chat and say, hey, guess what, Chris? I was wrong. Or I felt this way about you and and now I understand or I don't. So like, even if what you're sharing helps one person and like that's been what's helped me a lot of the times with sharing in the first place is that even if me sharing helps one person, that one person is likely going to share and then going to help another person and then yeah. going to help another person. And it's just, it's shitty because somebody has to take the trauma somewhere. Yeah. And it, it, that's, it comes along with the territory for sure, but you have to protect yourself 110%. Um, but aside from like trauma, that's different. So I'm going to give you different advice there. You protect yourself at all costs. So if you need to, to be silent in order to protect your own mental health, then you do that. But when it comes to people like not agreeing with you on things or, I I mean, 
trying to push that misogynistic um, uh, nameplate onto you. Well, I, you know who you are. You I'm know just what you not share. a misogynist. I just, I know right. that I like. <laughs> right. So like, if you're just not, and that's ridiculous for anybody to actually think that you are in the first place. And that, that reach has to be hurting a lot of people. Yeah. So, and, yes. and my, you were talking about people not saying publicly, my DMS are full of men being like, thank you. I f and I hope that we can get to a point where like people are looked at as survivors of these experiences, regardless of what gender they are, so that we can all kind of like yes. connect with each other. And I, I, I hope we get to a point where we understand that the problems that, that you see the gender war stuff go on on TikTok a lot, the problems of men and the problems of women are intertwined. And we need to figure out a way to address both in order to help both. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Is that, and that's the thing too, when I talk like self-love and stuff, that's why I never want my platform to be anything other than that. Because like, you're welcome if you're, you're welcome no matter what you identify or mm. who you identify as on my platform. It doesn't matter to me because everybody is struggling and going through it. And I, if we had more compassion for people in general, um, then people would have the ability to stand up for themselves and to demand respect and be, you know, asked to, well, demand to be treated properly. And, you know, it's one of those things that it's like everybody goes through their own types of trauma, which leads them down completely different paths. Um, you're, you've gone through your trauma and it has led you to a path where you have a platform and the ability to share. Um, and there's just going to be so many people who are not ready to hear that this is even possible or that it is even possible. Um, but the conversation has been started and that's like better than it ever was because I would have, if I'm being completely honest with you, when I was a kid, I would have like, if we're talking like junior high, high school, I, when I, thought about the word rape I only thought women I've never thought men and like but now as an adult with all of the experience that I have now with the people who I follow and the things that I've listened to it's a completely different conversation now now I just respect what people say because if you have the like if you have the confidence um not even the confidence if you have the bravery to be able to stand up and like share your story and I'm going to believe you yeah that's I think that's so important I think, and and I've I very much like that's not what I hear when I go on social media. So I, I appreciate that perspective uh, because, uh, yeah, it's been. <sighs> I'm just sensitive. It's just part of my person. I went to therapy for all last year, and he's like, I literally don't understand how you do what you do with your personality type. Um, and I was talking about comment sections in a therapy session. I was like, okay, something, something needs to shift here, and it's. This year has been a bit better than previous years, but it's still, it's going to be a gradual process for sure. For sure. But I mean, two different things. Like, I don't think you should categorize how people treat you on your trauma as the same as your comment section, because those are two separate things. Like, in the sense that, like, you need to protect yourself when it comes to yeah. your trauma, for sure. But when people are coming for your character and who you are, if you find that solid base in understanding what you, what it is that you add value into the world and who you are. And when people come at you waving, waving those flags and those signs that say you're not that you're going to be like, you're an idiot. Like it's right yeah. here. Like this is what I've been doing. Whereas when it comes to your trauma, when people come, come in and question you on that, you can react whichever way you feel you yeah. should react. Cause that's on, 
Yeah. So like the the mindset. So, so you, I watch you respond to people who are saying bad things to you in your comment section. And up until like more recently on TikTok, the mindset was always just ignore, just rise above. They, uh, they, I'm almost told that like, this is what I signed up for, which is a very yeah. weird mindset to me. So like, I'm curious from your perspective, why? Why do you respond to those comments? What's your purpose? Um, my purpose is one, I don't, I don't have to take shit from anybody. And I think people need to understand that. It doesn't matter what job you signed up for. Like you, we're trying to say that there's a job on this planet where we, we signed up to be harassed and belittled. Like shut the fuck up. Like that's not a thing. You wouldn't accept it if I was the grocery store clerk. You wouldn't accept it if I was a teacher in front of a classroom. You shouldn't fucking accept it if I'm an online platform. Can I expect it? Sure. I can expect it. But that doesn't mean I have to accept it in my mm. space. And those are two very different things. So when I'm addressing people, typically I'm looking to go as like, I'm trying to be funny or clever. If I'm being honest, I'm trying to make them feel stupid or silly. Those are as silly as typically what I go for. I want you to be, to be silly for even choosing to write that in my space. Um, I have a system that I call the three E's. Okay. Um, I educate. Yes. So if it's an actual comment that is trying to uh, challenge my character or challenge my health or say says something about fat people that needs to be educated, I will educate it. I will take the time to educate the person to the best of my abilities. Um, then I have erase. So if it's Brandon who's 14 and has decided to come onto my platform and leave a pig face emoji on my video, I'm not going to educate because that's a waste of my time. And I'm, I don't want to eradicate Brandon from my space because I think it's powerful for Brandon to see a fat, sexy, successful fat woman on his for you page every once in a while. So I'm going to erase his comment. Um, if it is somebody who comes in and then threatens my life, because that happens, tells me I should end my life, or after being educated has chosen to disrespect me, I then eradicate them from my space. So mm. I delete their comments, I block them, and they're no longer accepted in any of my platform spaces. So yeah. So I'm curious, I'm seeing, and we've had these discussions in, in my chat quite often, I'm watching a lot of people when they're trying to like say someone leave say something misogynistic or someone says something uh rude in the comment section i don't watch any of those ease really happen it really seems to be just about absolutely destroying that other person and sending a mob after there's i'm not naming any names because i don't want them to come after me but i i personally don't really agree with that approach because i'm always hoping that in some way that they can grow from experiencing so that they are less likely to perpetuate that against somebody else Yes. So I vet who I choose to actually address. If I, I'm tagging somebody in a video, if I'm going as far as, and there, you would be surprised that there are creators who choose to go that route, then the name and shame um, route of things instead of the name and frame route. Um, anybody who I've named and shamed on my platform, I've done my research on. Mm. Um, and that means I've searched their name. I've seen other comments that they've left on other creators' videos 
I see their platform. I see the, the videos that they create. Um, I named and shamed somebody not too long ago who lost their platform. And I don't regret that in a second because when I went to this person's, when I went to this person's platform, um, this was like last year when I went to this person's platform, he was a father with two sons. Um, and so this is what this man is teaching his children. And then he had, um, made multiple comments on a whole bunch of, of different females videos. And we're not talking just fat women, like all, all different size of, of, of women. Um, and then a video making fun of somebody with a disability. And I was like, mm, sorry. Yeah. I don't, I have, I think there's a level to it. Do I think that? Yes. I don't think that naming and shaming works to make people, um, necessarily change their behavior but this person had a seven thousand person platform um and so if naming and shaming lost their platform so that they can't create those things anymore and have to start again um will they think twice hopefully but if not now they're not speaking to their seven thousand people with no repercussions for what they're saying so that's there's a, a level third e that's eradicate eradicate yeah. yeah so like there's <laughs> there's a level to it where i think that i think do i think that everybody who is it, that you name and frame the abuse is going to change? No. Do I think that everybody who you name and shame is going to change either? No, I don't necessarily. But I do think that sometimes people just deserve to lose their platforms for what they're mm -hmm. saying. And if I have the power to do that, then I'm going to do it. So um, typically it's the three E's. Um, and I very, I, that's not my platform, but I won't lie to you. Um, Drew, Raff Drew Raffaello, um, her platform in general, I struggled with it at the beginning, but now after going through the content creators or being the person that was on the other end of somebody coming into my space twice um, and saying some pretty terrible things to me and then having those people lose their platforms, that in my mind um, is one of those things where it's like that that's the that's the hard eradicate button yeah. uh, drew is for a lot of a lot of these people that like we're going through and just saying terrible things like you're like horrible things in my dms horrible things in the dms of other my followers mm. and it's like you don't deserve to have a platform that has this much credibility you don't deserve it so yeah i guess it's, it's, one it's, of the, those things. it's the platform policing itself essentially yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. i think too like do i think the, here's the other part do I think too that naming and shaming can also be educational for some people? I do. That's true. I think I do think that um, the content specifically that Drew creates um, creates an unsafe space for men like that, yes. or e even women that are like that, that makes them second guess the things that they choose to say on do online. So there's that other side of it too. That's not my platform. That's not what I'm going to be doing, but do, was there a need for it when it popped up? I, yeah, I do. And I, I have a lot of, I have a lot of respect um, for her specifically because just imagine, because what I go through on a daily basis and the messages that I receive are, are literally one eighth of what I'm sure she receives on yeah. a daily basis. Um, but yeah, so I think there's a time and place for all of it. And like the thing, because we're thinking and looking at it like she also vets the people who she chooses to address too. So, I mean, we're like when I'm choosing to eradicate or choosing to name and shame, it's because I've done my research and I, I actually believe that this person should no longer have a platform to be able to communicate the things that they believe or I've attempted to educate and they're, they're not. 
they're not budging. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I think I'm right in every situation, but um, I also just, there's, there's no need to be disrespectful and, and tell people to end their life in an online space ever. Yeah, it's about research. And I would like to clarify for my own protection that that is not the person that I was thinking of in my mind. <laughs> no, I'm just, gi- I'm just giving <laughs> so, you she's the greatest example for yeah. um, like the difference. And like I'm learn- I've am i been doing an online course that's talking about like racism and how you're supposed to address it. Because like you said, um, I don't think that that teaches it always teaches people something like it's one of those things that naming and framing is typically what works best because if you do it in a respectful way and you name what somebody you name the person and you frame what they've done wrong that that's a lot easier to gain their respect and to have them actually educate um but naming and shaming i do think that there is a time and a place for it and she's just the greatest example for that because she's somebody who also vets who she chooses to um who she, who she chooses to, um, I guess, who she chooses to eradicate yeah. um, in, in that sense. So, yeah, she was just a great example of that, that actual naming and shaming type of education that can happen. Yes. Okay, so moving forward, where, where are we going? Like, where, what's, what's, the, what's the next step? Or are you just kind of existing in this moment and winging it? Uh, I'm just existing in the moment and winging it for sure mm-hmm. because um, I I don't know it's been it's been two and a half two and a half years and like I feel like my whole world really hasn't opened up yet I've figuratively and like I just I haven't been able to travel um, I haven't been able to like meet people I have so many followers up there that I haven't been able to like hug and just like there's just so many cool things that I haven't been able to do that's the untraditional side of things uh Scott and I just moved into a bigger space um like we're renting the biggest space that we've ever been able to like afford for ourselves which is so cool um but we want to travel and see as much of the world as possible and, and meet as many people as possible like there's so many cool friends that we've met over the last like two and a half years that we just haven't been able to connect with. And I just think it's so important to get out there and thank a lot of the people that have just been so supportive on this journey. Um, I want to write a book, but that's going to be, that's going to take a little while. Um, But most importantly, I just want to keep doing this. Like I just want to keep creating with cool people and having fun conversations and just uh, creating content and, uh, spending time with my nephew that's like the the, mm-hmm. the coolest things to me like those are just um so i'm definitely just winging it but it's i want to get out of here quickly I'd you want like to come be, want to come to the colorado rockies and come visit i need to go yeah Heck i need yeah. to get everywhere i need to get everywhere so, I ha- like, and i have a, a canadian tree tattooed on my arm so check you out it's in alberta I went and visited it in November and I'm like sitting next to this tree that's been dead for a long time and crying. And they're like, what's going on? I was like, don't worry about it. <laughs> don't it's worry fine. about it. It's, it's fine. fine. So, it, so this, thank you. This it's crazy. Cause so today is actually my 12 year anniversary of doing this full time. I've been a full time content creator so for 12 incredible. years and you have uh, taught my, me. My sister-in-law is obsessed with you. So. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I approve of her then because that's a, that's a good choice. But uh, you have massively, not only on a professional level, but on um, just a personal level, um, given me perspective that 
no one's been able to quite articulate in a way that I could receive in the way that you just punched me in the face with it. And I, no, don't apologize. I realize that's just in your nature to apologize because you're Canadian, but like, Mm -hmm. I, 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 I needed this. A lot of people in this stream, I've I've been watching their comments, they needed this. So I just want to say, you've actually changed my life in this conversation. And I'm so appreciative of that. This is the coolest part about it is like, there's not enough time to be fucking around. And like, when people ask me like, why I choose to be authentic on my platform or why I choose to be in this space, it's like, I'm too old to be anybody else. And I know how good life can be. So why would I fucking beat around the bush Mm -hmm. with telling you how it is? If you're making decisions off of if you're giving strangers power over your life and you're making decisions based on what other people think you're being selfish you're missing out on opportunities you're holding yourself back from truly being who you are and enjoying things in your life and that's the truth and i did it for a long time and does it suck yeah but i'd rather punch you in the face with it now so that you're not you know tiptoeing around it for another five years before you actually realize it and and get to the the same place that i'm at like it's it's the, the life that I have now is a thousand times better than I ever could have imagined mm-hmm. my life being. And it's simply because I just stopped allowing strangers to have power over what I do. I stopped allowing people to um, have power. I stopped allowing my body to have power. And I just started living my life with the coolest things about me at the front. Um, and it's been, it's obviously life-changing. I wouldn't have this platform and I wouldn't be here talking to you if it weren't for the fact that I started to change my relationship with my body. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have happened had I not have that moment on the beach because up until that moment, I didn't think I deserved happiness. And I just, it's, life's too short. It's far too fragile. And it's like, if I got to punch you in the face for you to get it, then... I'm cool to be. I'll, I I'll give that cool. same cool type of advice. Like I give that advice where you're like it stings, and you might actually get upset with me, and then you come back maybe weeks or months later and be like, "Thank you," but you have to have the confidence and the, the message that you are delivering to know that what you're doing and your intention behind delivering the message in that fashion is ultimately for the betterment of the person you're talking to. Yeah. Yeah. So yep. if people are t- wanting to, I know people are going to want to reach out to you after this. So if people want to reach out to you, where's the best place for them to contact you? Easiest place to contact me is Instagram. Those those DMs are probably the easiest right now. Which is just your name, Alicia. Yeah, is just, it McCarvel? Yeah, is that how you say it? McCarvel, yeah. McCarvel, okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. We're we're actually going to do a, a we're going to take a few questions. If you guys ever want to yeah, let's do a, it. ask questions to the guests that I have, you got to tune in live on Twitch, twitch.tv/subdaily. Um make sure you reach out to Alicia on her Instagram. She's obviously a fantastic person and thank you for being on Unfiltered Friends. Thank you for having me. I'm pumped for questions. Yeah. Big shout out to Alicia for being on the podcast. Make sure you give her some love. Make sure you give us a follow and a rating on whatever podcast platform. And also suggest someone else you'd like to see on Unfiltered Friends.